take a deep breath and remember there's a power breathing you. This is your space of sanity in an evolving world where we learn about spiritual law and how to apply it to our lives in a way that is practical and life-changing. This is where we remember truth to make the world a better place one person at a time. I'm Claire Lotier, inspirational speaker, teacher of the technology of transformation, and a certified life mastery consultant and spiritual coach. Welcome to the Grace Space. I promised you a Q&A, uh, an entire episode devoted to your questions, and that's what we're going to do today. Um, I noticed that I get similar questions sort of over and over again, questions that could be grouped into certain categories. And so based on your questions, your submissions, and I thank you uh, for the questions that you sent me, um, I've uh, created some categories of questions that we tend to come back to over and over again. These are obviously the most burning questions and um, areas that uh, we want clarification on. And so um, that's what we're going to do today. We're just going to go into some of your questions based on not only the episodes uh, from this year's podcast, um, the episodes about my personal journey, the episodes about uh, the inner alchemy, but um, also questions that I receive um, from clients that I coach uh, privately or in groups that tend to fall into these same sort of global categories. So without further ado, <laughs> here we go. Let's talk about the ego, shall we? The question is, if the ego program is the source of survival, why do you say that source is what keeps us alive? <laughs> this is a very parsing question. Um, an excellent question. So the ego program is not the source of survival, but the program itself is about survival, we could say. The source of survival is source itself. In other words, our existence goes beyond any physical lifetime. We are born into physical form, we coalesce into physical form for certain karmic reasons and to gain experience, and then we leave the physical form, we go back into energy. Remember we talked about uh, solve et, co et coagula, right? That's the the um, the act of uh, becoming denser, going into matter, and then and then becoming lighter, dispersing, going, becoming back into energy, right? That we continually go in and out of different forms, and uh, so the, we transcend obviously any of those forms. When we're in the form, we get very identified with it. We think it's who we are. We forget, uh, and and that's by design. You know, spirit has to. We have to. Um, we have to enter uh, the other through the other side of the veil, right? We have to have a forgetting of our true nature. Otherwise, we wouldn't really be able to learn anything because we'd be like, I get it already. <laughs> right? So we have to. 
we have to forget the truth. We have to forget what our nature is in order to have an experience so that we can learn about that nature again and consciously return to the to the knowingness of our true nature which transcends the form which transcends time and space we are infinite and we are eternal in our nature we have no beginning and no end and so therefore source is the source of our survival because our survival is never in question we are we are eternal we are infinite we had no beginning we have no end we are so that the ego is not the source of our survival divinity is the source of our continue continuance <laughs> now and forever but the ego program is a program that enables physical life in the material to continue as long as possible, let's say, right? It's seeking conditions that will enable it to survive in physical form, in the material, right? On the material level, so that it can gain as much experience as possible. Because if it can't stay alive, it doesn't get to benefit from physical experience, right? And so we learn <laughs> by trial and error over and over again how to survive, how to survive on the physical level, right? What does it take to survive in life, uh, to, to benefit from the experience of coming into the materiality so that we can evolve, right? Because that is the purpose of uh, physical life if you put all of these incarnations that you know hundreds or thousands or millions we could even say and the yogis used to say there are 8.4 million possible incarnations into the physical in some form or another not just this planet not just this form as a human um, many, many worlds, many, in my father's house are many mansions, as it says, right? Many dimensions, uh, 8.4 million possible incarnations, right? So <laughs> we have a lot to learn. We have many, many experiences that we draw on for the evolution of our consciousness, for the evolution of our awareness, right? And as we come down through the ladder of subtlety, um, progressively into greater and greater densification into form we are um, individuating right individuating our consciousness from the one so much so that we get to the point where we feel like we're completely disconnected or separated from the one and we feel like well this is what I am and that's where the ego comes in and um, replaces divinity in a way in our mind and and it really believes itself to be the source of our existence <laughs> this is where it gets tricky with the ego and this is why it doesn't want to let go so uh, to use an analogy it's as if you know the toaster in your kitchen is plugged into the wall um, and it's receiving electricity from uh, the source of electricity, right? But the toaster believes that it created electricity, 
right? It's as if the toaster were saying, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I make the electricity. <laughs> I, I created this electricity. No, as soon as you unplug that toaster from the wall, it's not going to work. It's just a, then it's just a form, an empty form, right? So that's kind of uh, how our ego works, right? The ego is like, well, I'm an, I am the source of your life. <laughs> I made you. <laughs> You'd be nothing without me. And there is a level of truth where that's possible, right? Because without the ego, without that program of survival, we wouldn't last very long. The ego has to learn uh, what is uh, what supports life and what is uh, deleterious to life, right? By trial and error. And even at the protoplasmic level, before there's any sophistication in consciousness, protoplasm is drawn towards what gives it life and it recoils from what uh, is uh, dangerous to it, right? So that's how deeply embedded that survival program is. So the, the program enables us to survive as long as possible on the level of form so that we can learn, so that we can evolve, and it becomes very sophisticated and elaborated as life forms become more and more complex. And when you get to human being, that survival mechanism of the ego is refined through the intellect and becomes even more dangerous. Um, <laughs> because without consciousness, it's, uh, it, you know, kill or be killed. That's the mentality, as we can very easily see from looking around the world. And as we grow spiritually uh, and we begin to let go of identification with the ego, we realize that it is not the source of our survival. It is the locus of a survival program in the flesh, so to speak. But the, the source of our survival the source of our life itself, the source of continuance from lifetime to lifetime is source itself. I hope that answers or addresses that question more fully. It's a great question. Okay, so here's another question about the ego. How can I get rid of the ego? <laughs> I love that question too, because, and sometimes I get, how do I kill the ego? <laughs> Some people want to kill the ego. And the question that I ask in return is, who is it that wants to get rid of or kill the ego? Who is speaking there? Well, the ego. <laughs> so we don't um, kill or get rid of the ego, right? It's not necessary. It's not necessary. All we have to do is disidentify from it, right? You can't, you're not gonna reach in and grab your animal brain and pull it out of your skull, right? That's the locus of that programming. It's still there, but you don't listen to it anymore. You don't live by it anymore. It's not driving your behavior anymore once you're conscious about it. And once you begin to disidentify and realize that is not who I am, that's just part of the package. It's part of the package, right? And everybody has the same ego. I don't have a special ego that belongs to me. <laughs> it, it may manifest through me in a particular way in accordance with my tendencies, my personality, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff is ego anyway, right? Um, but it's the same. It's the same ego 
that anybody else has. And, and as I've often said, everything comes down to survival. It's always any um, neurosis or any fear or any anxiety that we experience, any of the so-called negative emotions or uh, programs that we are driven by. If you, if you strip them down to their bare bones, if you follow them down to their source, you will find that they belong to the ego. They are a survival program at the very bottom, at the root of them. They are always about survival. I mean, even something that, that might seem to be about something else, for example, in, in relationships, right? In relationships, we are trying to get something. If you're honest with yourself, if you're really, really honest with yourself, you, you will acknowledge that in your relationships, there's a part of you that's trying to get something. You're trying to get the energy from someone else and someone else is trying to get energy from you, right? So that's why we're looking for approval. That's what we're, we think we're looking for love, right? But that's not actually love. It's attachment. It's, a, it's an exchange of energy. And that's not love in the truest sense of the word. It's really about control and sometimes about manipulation in very subtle ways because we learn so young how to get energy. Why? Because of the program, right? When we're born, first of all, our parents are looking for something. <laughs> They're looking for something when we're born. They get energy from us in their way because they have their unfulfilled uh, uh, parts of themselves, right? They have uh, parts of themselves that are out of balance, that are in distortion. They're trying to heal themselves, right, on the unconscious level. And so they're trying to get energy themselves from anywhere they can get it. And that includes you when you're a baby and you're born. And then you, you just turn it back on them and you're like, okay, you're going to get something from me. I'm going to get something from you. And I'm going to learn the best ways to get the energy that I need, right, to survive. That's really what it boils down to. So the energy that I that I need, you know, I want to feel loved. I want to feel approved of. I want to feel safe and secure. I want to feel special. All of those, when you break them down, it's still about getting energy, right? I'm getting energy. I need something that I don't have. That's the perception, right? So I got to get it from outside myself. And that is the leading edge of the ego, right? It's, it's looking for food. It's looking for food in the form of energy. And that's what food is, right? When you eat something, your body converts it to energy. It's the same with the energy that we get from other people, right? Because ultimately that's what we're looking for, energy in order to survive because the ego does not have its own innate source of energy. That comes from the source, right? So that goes to our first question about what's the source of survival, right? What is the source? The ego doesn't have its own innate source. It cannot, um, it cannot mine that energy from itself. Uh, so that kind of that kind of explains that, right? So um, to take it back to the uh, to the original question, how can I get rid of the ego? You don't have to get rid of it, right? So you realize that there is this um, this energy in you, or this. Um, persona in you or this program in you that is seeking for uh, energy that is seeking to survive and uh, and until we, until we're not we're extremely identified with it and we think that's who we are 
right? And then when we realize, oh, okay, that's not actually me, that's the ego, and the ego is a program and all of that, then we realize there is no need to get rid of or to kill the ego, because anytime we would set ourselves up in an oppositional relationship with the ego, then we'd just be strengthening it, <laughs> right? Because that's what it thrives on. That's how it gets energy. It gets energy from other people, from drama, right? From negative emotions and also from positive emotions. When we're talking about positive emotions that are the opposite end of the, the polarity of negative emotions, we're not talking about the higher emotional energy that's refined, that is um, characteristic of the innate um, uh, truth of our nature, emotions like joy, peace, the love that comes from within ourselves and is not dependent on outer circumstances. But any emotions, either positive or, or negative, that are triggered by outer circumstances and that come and go in accordance with circumstances, those are sources of food for the ego as well. So it thrives on our negativity, um, our emotional energy, our thoughts, uh, and our relationships with other people. Uh, especially anything that's dramatic or fraught, right? It is feeding, imagine that it is feeding off of that. Uh, and, and so in order to, um, quote, get rid of the ego, we don't actually get rid of it at all. We notice what it's doing. We notice how it survives and how it consumes energy. And we begin to disidentify from that as me right? And then we can see that it's just our little animal. It's just our little animal. And it's perfectly normal for it to behave the way that it does, because that's how it's programmed. You can't, it's not going to change, right? Your ego does not become enlightened. Your ego is always your ego. The ego remains as it is. It doesn't change its nature. It's our relationship to it that changes. All right, so we just disidentify from it, understand that is not me, that is the animal brain, the ego program, everyone has it, and I do not have to be driven by that. In fact, I can treat it like a pet and give it a cute little name, like Pookie. <laughs> okay, here's a question about karma. Um, if you don't have to unearth the past to release your karma, then how do you know what it is so you can deal with it? That is a great question. That's a subtle question. So, um, yeah, I often talk about how you don't have to go into and understand, and this is actually related to uh, another question about therapy. Let's look at both of them together because they're related. Another question here is, is isn't therapy useful? And what about uh, psychopharmacology? We'll get into that. Uh, sometimes it sounds like you don't really believe in it, okay? So um, it's not really a question of believing in it or not. It's um, So if, if we don't have to unearth the past, right? If we don't have to understand everything about every single thing that happened. Now, I'm not saying that therapy doesn't have a, a useful uh, place in our self-development. And as I've often said, I was in therapy in therapy for eight years. Um, I didn't, I didn't I, I go very deep <laughs> during that time. I think I used it mostly as a way to strengthen my ego. Um, that, that is, a, uh, it's a danger, if you will, with therapy. Therapy, uh, the success of therapy can depend on your relationship with a therapist. Um, and the focus of therapy is different 
from the focus of spiritual growth, right? So the focus in therapy is is a well-adjusted ego, right? It's dealing with neurosis and and having a, an ego that is well-adjusted, right? The the focus of spiritual work and the work that I do is is about transcending the ego altogether, right? So those are two totally different paradigms. And, and I never am saying that therapy doesn't have a place. It can be very useful for getting context, you know, and a context of understanding about your life and the things that happened to you and the traumas that you've been through. But ultimately, or and ultimately, you're still going to have to let go of all of that emotional energy. So one of the major uh, steps that we have to take in our spiritual evolution is disidentification from story, right? Disidentification from the ego, believing that all of that is you and that, you know, it's something that you wear like a badge. Oh, this is me. This is what happened to me. This is my story. That's just another way of preserving the life of the ego and the life of separation. When we believe that something makes us special, different, you know, some people don't really are not interested in letting go of their story, right? It's too much juice for the ego right the ego keeps going back to that again and again right so we have to make the distinction between these two paradigms and um, so I believe that therapy it can be useful and healing up to a point it helps you integrate what's happened to you but then you're going to ultimately have to let that go and transcend it all together so um, as it relates to karma karma is just the sum total of everything that you that you are I mean if you want to know what your karma is look at your look at your life right your body even our very body is a a representation of karma I often compare the body to the subconscious mind right the body is just the out picturing of the subconscious mind of all of this stuff that is um below the surface in us right and and we are born with the perfect body under the perfect circumstances to um to dissolve the karma that we've come in with this vessel was perfectly uh designed it it represents the karma that we're bringing in and so do our birth circumstances our family of origin you know we set ourselves up spiritually speaking from the point of view of the soul for optimum learning right it's like a a rocket that is uh, set up in a certain way that you know it's going it's aiming for a distant star and it has everything it needs to make that journey Uh, whether it gets there or not is another question but um, everything that you bring in with you is is absolutely perfect so if you want to know what your karma is so that you can deal with it you don't have to look far it's right there (laughs) it is right there on the 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 screen of your life right the mirror of reality is showing you everything so if you look at your life where things are smooth easy harmonious you know you don't have to think too much you don't have to do much it's just kind of natural and 
in the flow, those are areas where you have karmically resolved things. We could say areas of karmic merit where you've worked through this problem already and you don't need to work through it again. It just comes naturally. Like very often strong talents that we have or things that are just easy for us, they're things that we've worked with before, right? We've worked through the energy of that and it's not a, it's not representing a problem in quotes in this life anymore. But if you look at the areas of your life that you consider problematic, right, where you have a lot of challenges and you feel stuck and you can't, you know, you're repeating the same patterns over and over again, you can't seem to break through. Well, those are karmic areas where, you know, you're actually working with the problem. So if you look at the essence of the problem, like what it represents, then you can, you can pretty readily see what is the lesson that I'm trying to learn here. Uh, why would I set myself up <laughs> in this situation with these people, uh, you know, if it were not for the purpose of learning a certain lesson? And that can be a very useful exercise. If you ask yourself in a very frustrating situation where you're like, oh, why does this keep happening? You know, why am I always blah, blah, blah fill in the blank, right? Ask yourself, okay, if I, if I were setting myself up on purpose with this situation, what would be the lesson that I was trying to learn? What would it be that I was trying to understand here? Same thing with relationships, right? Like sometimes people can't understand why they have such a difficult relationship with somebody. Why is it so hard with this person? The same question applies. If I were to cast this person, if I were the casting director in my own life, which you are, um, why would I bring this person into play this part? What, what lesson would I be looking to learn through my relationship with this person? What would be the highest lesson that I could learn? And what part, what are they representing in this drama between us to help me learn, right? That totally recontextualizes your relationships. Maybe this person is here to help you learn uh, to trust yourself, right? Instead of depend on them. Maybe this person is here to uh, help you understand that uh, the hurts that you receive don't come from outside yourself. They just waken the hurts that are already within. And, and the only thing that can heal those hurts is you and your relationship with yourself. So there are many, many reasons why we have karmic situations in our life reasons. I mean, we don't even have to talk about the cause and effect here. It's just that the the perfect situations always come to us for the resolution of sticky areas of our life, things that are not resolved yet. So in that sense, you don't have to unearth the past. You don't have to know what happened to you in all your previous lifetimes. You, that can be interesting and it can help you gain insight, but it's not a requirement. You All you have to do is look at your life now because it's the microcosm of all your lifetimes. That's amazing. You know, you start to realize that there's resonance on every level of life with every situation has resonance throughout your whole being and all of your incarnational history from the beginning of, uh, you know, your incarnations into physical form until, until now. There is no linear time, you know, it's all one. So it's just one life. It's one life that looks like many lifetimes, but it's one life. So it's all here right now. You don't have to go back into the past because it's all here, present right now. Thank you for those fantastic questions, everyone. We're going to break these uh, Q&A sessions down into uh, a few a few different episodes because there's a lot of questions. 
So I think we'll leave it there for today. And uh, next week we will continue with more of your questions. Uh, Thank you once again for sending such stimulating and challenging questions that help us to go deeper into the exploration and the understanding of the mysteries of our own nature and the nature of the universe of which we are an inseparable part. I'll see you next time. Meanwhile, walk in grace. Thank you for joining me in the grace space where you're always in the right place. If you love this podcast, I invite you to subscribe to it and submit a review if you feel called to do so. Also, be sure to sign up for my newsletter right here. I look forward to spending this time with you again next week. Meanwhile, I send you love and blessings. Bye for now.